Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. It is important for us to understand that prayer is more than just the rote action of getting on our knees and speaking to God in a very formal manner. It is also not to be totally casual or aloof approach to just talking to the man upstairs. Prayer is the ongoing conversation between God and his people that opens the gateway for God to bring his will to pass in our lives. Join us as we dig deeper into this subject with a message titled, The Revelation of Confession. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Turn the book of Hebrews chapter 4. When you go through trials, if you can accept what you go through, Not deny it, but accept what you go through. If you can accept it and let God bring you through it, when you come out on the other side, God will show you how to impart what you learn to others. But when you go through, you got to be ready to accept what you go through. And when you accept what you go through and recognize that through your prayer life, God will be with you all the way. So your prayer life is you talking to God and hearing back from God and you making moves based on what God tells you. And when you talk to God and listen to God and move with God and you keep talking to God and listening to God and moving with God, you look around and behind you, you realize, man, God navigated me through things I did not even know I was in. (laughs) I thought the problem was X and God navigated me. I looked behind. I walked past the Grand Canyon and didn't even know it was there. I could have fell in on any time. My brother called me. He was he brother went to UC Berkeley and we and and he home is Los Angeles. And so he calls me one day. He said the semester's over. He when he was going to college, he says he says, uh, "Hey man, can you help me take my stuff back to LA?" No problem. So I got my my van, my Ford Aerostar van. And we got it. We loaded it up and we're going to drive it. He said, "I got a different way for us to go this time." So instead of driving the normal way of taking Highway 5 back in the valley and driving four hours, he said, this is, gonna be, this is better. This is, we're going to cut across all this other stuff, and we're going to come right over, right, drop down right on Highway 5. And so it's nighttime, and we're driving, and all of a sudden, we start driving, and, and, the, and all the overhead lights disappear. And then we start driving up this hill, and we're driving up, and we winding. And if you'd ask my wife, I don't like winding around. I want to go straight. I don't want to wind around. I don't don't like that. So we winding on the road. I'm like, man, where are we going? He said, I don't know. I've never been here before. (laughs) I said, well, how do you know this is a shortcut? He said, I saw it on the map. So we wind and wind and, and and then I can see the hill on my left side. I can't see nothing on the right side. And we drive, and when you're driving up, you realize you don't see nothing on the right side. That's because there ain't nothing because it's a hill going down. There ain't nothing over there. And so we ride, wind and wind and wind. I'm like, are you serious? And for miles and miles, we are just driving up. I'm like, how? Where are we going, man? It's like there ain't no mountain out here. So where are we going? How come we are still going up? We should be done by now. (laughs) And we drive up higher and higher. I'm like, I don't even know where I am. It's dark. And now I'm mad. 
But we get to the very top and we come down and there, sure enough, there's a big highway there and we drive down, we drop down on Highway 5, just like he said. And I was mad because I had to drive in the dark. I'm out of control. I can't handle what's going on. I don't know why I'm out here. I had another way I would have did it, but we did get there faster. See, that's how your life is. God says, I got a path for you. I'm going to take you on a path. And you say, God, I know what the path is. He says, no, 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 we're not going on that path. There's another path I'm going to take you on. And you get on the path and the lights go out. And you lose control of your path. And you start thinking that because the lights are out that you are lost. And you want somebody to give you assurance that you're on the right path. But there's nobody there to give you assurance. (laughs) Only assurance you have is your faith. Faith is the substance of things you hope for and the evidence of what you cannot see. I can't see nothing on this road. I just know I'm winding. I just have to trust that what was on the map was true. My brother looked on the map and saw something and said, this is the way we're going to go. And see, the map is the word of God. See, your Bible is your map, but it's taking you places you don't want to go because you can't see how it works out. You, and you want the lit path. You want the path where all the lights are. You want, you want the straight ride. You, that's what you want, but you ain't getting the straight ride. <laughs> the straight ride is not coming for you all the time. And when you don't have straight rides, what did I do? I'm in the car, and I'm mad, but I'm praying. <laughs> I'm praying, Lord, oh, Lord. I'm praying out of fear, but at least I was praying. See, when you get in places you can't understand, your prayer life has to already be established. So that when you get in the dark, you can talk to God with confidence and boldness and then know God's going to get me through what I'm in. Amen? Because, see, if it was light all the time, you wouldn't call on the Lord. If it was light outside, you wouldn't call the Lord. You'd just drive on the road and not even think about it. So sometimes your life goes through darkness simply because you need to call on the Lord. You need to learn how to call on the Lord in the darkness. Now, he teaches you to pray when you're in the light. But sometimes when we're in light, we don't pay attention. (laughs) And we're taught to pray when we're in the light. When we're there, when everything is good, we learn how to pray. So when I was a child, my mother taught me how to pray. So that when I got in the dark, I'd be all right. But I didn't want to learn how to pray. Hebrews chapter 4. Tell your neighbor, say, today we're going to talk about the revelation of your confession. The revelation of your confession. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Our principle number four, prayer is the highest privilege and the greatest weapon in the life of the believer. It is your highest privilege. Why is it the highest privilege? Because we can come boldly before the throne of grace. You can come before God without condition because of Christ in you. 
The reason we receive Jesus is that we can come before the creator of all things, come before him boldly. Come boldly before the throne of grace. In other words, come before this throne that's built on unmerited favor. Favor that you can't earn or deserve because you can't produce enough of your goodness to impress God. (laughs) You cannot produce enough of your goodness to impress God. One more time. You cannot produce enough of your goodness to impress God. (laughs) Period. You can't do no more. Amen. There's nothing you can do to impress God. So our behavior as Christians is not to impress God or get God's attention. It's because we're being changed to new creations. My behavior changes because I'm changed. Not because I'm trying to impress God or win God's favor. Tell your neighbor, say, you can't impress God. (laughs) Tell him, you'd be lucky to impress me. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm trying to stir y'all up here. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We know what this says, but we want to get look at it. I want you to look at it with your eyes. I want you to see it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. This passage is really important. The first one tells us about what a privilege it is to pray. This passage explains to us that prayer is a weapon. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 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 Word carnal is the word for beef. Chili con carne. Meat. Flesh. Con carne with meat. So this root word of carnal is speaking of just your flesh. The weapons of our warfare have nothing to do with your flesh and blood body. Tell your neighbor, say, your weapons cannot work being used by your body. The weapons you have, they're not carnal. They're not made of carnal things. They're not made of flesh-based When you think about what your greatest weapon as a Christian is, is has nothing to do with your physical body. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. While strongholds may exist in a physical world, your weapons for pulling them down are not physical. Now, this is really important because we have to understand that when things are not physical... They still have power. Just because something is not physical does not mean it doesn't have power. Every invention that has ever been created did not begin as a physical invention. What did it it begin as? A thought. A thought is not carnal. 
A thought is a thought. It doesn't have a physical substance. It doesn't have anything. So the weapons that you have, you already use non-carnal weapons. Every day you use non-carnal weapons. But for some reason, when we read the Bible, we forget about elements of our regular everyday life that we already use, that we don't equate to what he's talking about. Weapons of our warfare, not carnal. What does that mean? What does that mean? And it becomes so spiritual that we say, man, I, can't, I don't even understand that. You do understand it. Tell your neighbor, say, I do understand this. The weapons that you have are not your carnal weapons. Your weapons that you have are not physical. You already have mental weapons that you have. But this is not even talking about your mental weapons. This is going to step past your mental weapons to your spiritual weapons. You already have mental weapons. You already have non-carnal weapons that you already use all the time. So taking the next step toward a spiritual weapon is not that big of a step. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, I got lots of mental weapons. You have mental weapons that you already use. Every thought you have is a mental weapon. Everything you have is, is, it's, it originates in your mind. It starts there. And even your physical weapons won't work unless your mind gets behind them. But I want to tell you that there's not only a mental weapon, there is a spiritual weapon that is stronger than mental weapons. And when you can pull down spiritual weapons, you can get deeper than even your mental weapons can take you. Because see, your mental weapons, will, will, they will deny you certain things because you will get ideas that you can't implement because your other ideas will fight against the idea that you want to perform. What does that look like? That looks like me, I'll use my own self as an example. Me writing a book 10 years ago, and you haven't read it. You know why you haven't read it? Because the ideas in the book were blocked by my ideas of perfection. And so my ideas of perfection fight against the revelation that I have. And so I wrote it, but you haven't read it. Because I haven't released it. And the reason I haven't released it is because my other thoughts are fighting against those thoughts. In other words, there's a stronghold that has been in my mind fighting against me, not letting me release that which I've already done. Tell your neighbor, say, he ain't the only one. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Everybody has strongholds in your life. Everybody has strongholds, but your spiritual weapons are what you have been empowered by God with in order to pull those things down and not let those things be obstacles to you doing what you know in your heart you need to do. Come on, tell your neighbors, I'm ready to do some stuff. Verse 5. Look at verse 5, because now you're going to find out what the battle is. And guess what? It's a prayer battle. It's pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments. 
Casting down arguments. You get ready to do something and you get an argument against the thing you're getting ready to do. What? Because the stronghold in you is arguing against what you're trying to do. Oh, I'm living holy this week. And then the argument comes. The argument against you doing what you said you're going to do. And are you falling into something? You say, man, I'm not never doing this again. And what's going to happen? When you get up, the enemy comes back at an opportune time and says, you're going to do what I told you to do. <laughs> so the warfare starts in us, but the answer is a, not a prayer life where you get on your knees and you pray, but a prayer life in your daily operation that you're talking to God and you're listening to what God says and you do what God says rather than what you think. Not that you shut off your mind, but you let your mind be influenced by a voice higher than the voice inside of you. See, God never asks people not to think, and sometimes we think faith means we don't think. It's not what it means. Faith means we trust God over my thoughts. And when my thoughts are aligned with God, I go with my thoughts. When my thoughts fight against God and they're making arguments, I got to cast those down and take God's thoughts. Because my thought is the straight road. God thought is, nope, we're going to follow this direction. We're going to go where you can't see. We're going to take you on the journey that you can't see. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to come out to the blessing of where I told you you were going to be. Amen? But what happens if in the darkness you decide you're going back? What happens if you're on the road and you're making the, you, you decide, yes, God, I'm going. And you get halfway and you decide you go back. Your journey takes three times as long. Three times as long because you've already gone off the regular course. Second time because you've gone up into the course. Third because you've got to come back out of the course and go back where you started from. So it's going to take even longer. But do you know what's going to happen? Because you love God so much, you're going to get back on the light path and your conviction is going to say, man, you should be on that other path. And then you're going to go right back and drive back into the darkness where you knew you were supposed to go in the first place. But if you listen to that voice, it'll do the same thing. When you get halfway up, you'll turn around and come back. And then you'll look up and you're going to say, it's 10 years and I still haven't released this book. See, y'all can, y'all, y'all can really hear this because I'm talking about me. <laughs> can you identify Amen. Prayer is a privilege and a weapon. What does this have to do with prayer? Prayer is your regular conversation with God. I want to take prayer out of the spiritual atmosphere where you think about prayer as only this moment in time where you get on your knees and you talk to God. Prayer is the ongoing conversation that you have with God all the time. It is ongoing. It's constant. It's always there. When you understand that, you realize that you never pray and just waiting for God to do something. You pray and you say, God, you showed me what to do. And your prayers start become guided by God and your actions become guided by God and your thoughts and your movements become guided by God all day long. And you become productive doing the things God's called you to do because your prayers now start to take a new dimension. And the new dimension is not about just being religious. The new dimension is about really having a life that moves with God. And remember that there are different types of strongholds.
So while I have in, in areas been able to excel with God in certain areas, there's are certain areas I have strongholds in that I have to battle with. And so there's certain areas, and so sometimes what we do, we say, man, I just can't do anything because you have one area that you haven't lived up to where God's called you to live up to, and then you want to put a label on yourself, and you say, you're, you're a failure. No, you have an area that you failed. It doesn't make you a failure because you're a new creation. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm not a failure. I'm a new creation. I got some stuff I need to fix, but I'm still a new creation. And these things are of God. Amen. Amen. Simple prayer. What is simple prayer? Four things. A-C-T-S, right? Adoration, our praise. Praising God. Praising God. Confession, which is yada. Remember? Yada is to declare his name, a form of praise. And homologio, which is agreeing with God, saying what God says. Confession. The third thing is thanksgiving, being thankful. Are you taking notes today? Anybody taking notes? Raise your hand and say, yes, I am. All right. Everybody taking notes, I want you to write this down. This week, right, this week, <laughs> I will, this week, I will make a list. This week, I will make a list of things. This week, I will make a list of things I am thankful for. This week, I will make a list of things I am thankful for. Why should you make a list of things you're thankful for? The reason you should always keep a list of things you are thankful for, because when you realize how blessed you already are, it will shut your complaining spirit down. You know, they say, don't count your blessings. No, count all your blessings. Count them all and be thankful for what you have already been given. When David faced Goliath, what fueled his ability to fight the giant was his gratitude for what God had already done with him in other areas. And it changed his confession. So that when he saw the giant, he didn't say, oh, my God, a giant. He looked at the giant and he said, I have fought the lion and the bear. The Lord has brought me through fighting the lion and the bear, and I'm going to take your beard too. Come on. See, when you have thankfulness, you have gratitude, it changes your atmosphere. It changes your, your mentality, your thought process. It changes how you look at things. When you are grateful for the things around you, you a lot of times will stop the fear that you have from moving to the next levels. When you can be grateful and thankful because there's always going to be an issue of the enemy trying to plant seeds of doubt and lack into your life. He's always going to try to plant doubt and lack into your life. All my life, well, not my, all my life. 
when, when, I was, when I was 18 years old, I was six foot three. When I was 25 years old, I was six foot five. When I was 27, I was six six. And now Carl says I'm six seven. <laughs> I continued to grow. For some reason, I have no idea. I continue to grow. Only thing I say, that means I'm going to live for a long time, period. But one of the things growing along that scale, what happened to me is, I saw how people responded to me when I was a certain height, and I also, as an adult, saw how people, people's thoughts toward me changed. And I observed, and I always hear all the time, man, if I was your height, if I was your height, here's what I would do. If, if I was your height, I'd be in the NBA. If, if I was your height, I would, I got all this, all these, if I was your. And in my mind thinking, well, what you doing right now? What, what are you doing with what you got right now? You judging what I suppose, what you feel like I should be doing with what I got. Because every time somebody says it, they don't realize what they're saying is, you ain't doing nothing because if I was your height. <laughs> so they think they're being nice to me. They don't make you trying to insult me. <laughs> but gratitude stops you from comparing yourself with other people. Because you realize how blessed you are. How blessed you are with what you have. How blessed you are with the things that you have in your possession. Man, if I just look like so-and-so. If I, man, I, I would, if I, you know what? If I would just do this if. We got all these ifs. What are these ifs? Where are these ifs coming from? These ifs are coming from the enemy's already built-in mechanism. There we go. It's called imagination. So what we're told in 2 Corinthians that, you know what? This pulling down of strongholds will cast down every imagination. Everything that you're imagining that you would do if you had gets pulled down if you start praying and talking to God. Not just traditional prayer, but real conversation with God. What hinders us? What hinders us? What holds us back? What holds us down? The things that hinder us and hold us down are the conversations going on in our head. And God said, listen, son, I've given you tools to deal with that. I've given you a weapon that's not carnal. I give you a weapon that can't be stopped with physically. Nothing physically can stop this thing. You can use this thing any time of the day. In the, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can use it. If you wake up in the afternoon, you can use it. And when I say wake up, I mean wake up. Not wake up out of your sleep, but just wake up and realize you got a weapon. Amen? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, ooh, this is not the prayer I'm used to. <laughs> Come on. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is part of this front end of a weapon against mediocrity. Thanksgiving is a weapon against being mediocre. <laughs> say it again. Thanksgiving. <laughs> she ready to say it. 
Thanksgiving is a weapon against being mediocre. Being grateful. Let the gratefulness of God. What are we grateful about? Man, I got so much to be grateful for. I have so much to be happy about. I have so much to be just excited about because God has already blessed my life. And a grateful person walks into an environment and people see something different about them. And a person who's struggling with their gratitude walks in and people see something as well. Gratitude gives you confidence. Gratitude builds something in you. It causes you to be totally confident when you're grateful. Man, come on. Praise God. All right, let's deal with this. Let's, let's take this a level deeper. When you start to pray, you're going to realize that adoration, confession, and thanksgiving all seem to weave together. You, you start saying, I'm going I'm to just praise God. And you start praising him. You say, man, I'm, I'm thanking God. Okay, that's good. That's good. And then when you start confessing God, you start saying, man, man, I keep, man I'm, I'm confessing God, but I'm praising him. Yes, that's right. That's right. Man, I'm giving God thanks, and I realize that my thanks turns into praise. Yes, because they are all connected. They're all connected because they are together the gateway to the presence of God. Your adoration, your thanksgiving, and your confession, they are all gateways into the presence of God. God is always with you, but God is spiritual, and God is not natural. So that, why, that is why when we looked at 2 Corinthians, it said the weapons that you have, they're not carnal. They're spiritual. And when you use the spiritual weapons, you get access to the spiritual dimension. You get access to the spiritual way that God wants to move in your life. And it seems complex to you. Think about the fact that you do it all the time with your thoughts. If you have a problem and you respond to a problem physically, you may or may not get an answer. If you have a problem and you look at the problem and you study the problem, you think about the problem, you consider the problem, you'll start to see things you didn't see about the problem, and then you will have new ways of solving the problem. That's how your mind works. Well, your spirit is what your mind is based off. Your mind works a certain way because that's how your spirit works. And if you put something in your spirit and you meditate on it and you let God speak to it, God will show you answers to get out of problems. But it's putting your spirit out there. Okay, listen to this. Matthew chapter, actually let's go to Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews, uh, same chapter, verse 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. So we talked about this last week. Hebrews 4 and 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Seeing that we already have this Jesus. We already have access to Jesus. Seeing that we already have it. You got to now hold fast to your confession. Your confession. Hold fast to your confession. That means you need to take control of your confession. Hold fast to it. In other words, once you start making a confession, you need to hold on to the confession. Where does our confession come from? Our confession comes from our heart. So Wednesday night we talked about this. 
confession, repentance, and meditation are all connected. Confession, repentance, and and meditation. Meditation. (laughs) A form Meditation is a form of medication, but (laughs) amen. This is why. When you start to praise God, you're making a declaration. A declaration is a form of confession. And again, those things all kind of weave together. But when you're making that confession, the determination as to how powerful the confession is, is whether it's coming out of your mind or coming out of your spirit. See, a confession that comes out of my mind, in my example I gave you about this book, which y'all will be reading pretty soon. The confession is, is that God gave me a revelation that I am using, and I have to share it. That was my confession. But that was a confession coming out of my mind. And when that confession came out of my mind, that confession was then met with another confession that I have. And that is, when I do it, it needs to be perfect. And so these two confessions had a war. And the one that's deeper ingrained will always be the one that wins. When two confessions that you have go to war, the one that's deepest rooted is the one that's going to win. Which means you need to check yourself and find out what are your confessions because there's some deep-rooted confessions that you may be having that are stopping you from doing other things you're confessing and you're saying the word doesn't work, but it's not the word. (laughs) It's your confession. Because sometimes if we didn't grow up confessing the Bible, then what happens is the Bible hasn't gotten deep enough in us that it is uprooting the confessions that you make it out of your heart. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he tells them, this is how people know you. They know you by your fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And then he tells them, brood of vipers. In other words, y'all, just write this one down. I'm going to move quick because i got a couple of them I'm going to give you. Matthew chapter 12. You guys look at verse 33 and 34. You write that for your meditation. Verses 33 and 34. Listen to this. Jesus has to tell them, listen, you, you understand certain principles, but I'm going to have to tell you why you're getting what you're getting. He said, you brood of vipers. How can you being evil? He calls out their condition. How can you, being evil, speak good things? In other words, if the core is bad, what comes out of the core is what's going to come out of the mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is in the core, whatever is deepest in us, it starts to control our confession. And when we come become a new creation in Christ, our job is to then get that new creation in there so it can uproot the things that should not be there you got to get your new creation truth down in your spirit to a level so that that thing starts overturning other things that are already in your heart. Because out of the abundance of your heart is what your mouth is going to speak. Whatever's in your heart deeply is going to come out of your mouth. And we have to understand how do things get in your heart? They get in your heart 
through your eyes, through your ears. That's how they get in. So what you hear and what you see get in your heart. That's why certain things are so dangerous. Because they give you seeds, what you see and what you hear. They get into your heart. When I was young, I used to listen to a lot of music. And I have songs that are down in me because I heard them so many times. They're in, they, they've, they've, I heard them so, I heard these songs over and over and over and over and over and over again all the time because KSOL had the loop going, right? <laughs> and you hear the same songs over and over, right? And so those songs got down in me and they're in me so deep that if I had Brian come up here right now and sit on the piano and hit three notes, I would be able to start, the whole song would come up. Because your mind is designed by God to not forget anything. It is impossible to forget things. Your brain only is operated by you at 10% of its capacity, which means there's 90% back there storing everything you go through. Everything you go through is stored. It's in there. It's back deep in there. And you know all you need is a trigger to bring it up. So what does that mean? That means what is in you in abundance will come out of you. So what Toya said was that when she got under pressure, she got in a tough season because the word was in her. The word is what came out of her. Amen. So if, but if we don't renew our mind, what comes out of us? Whatever's in there. I'm going to conduct an experiment. I'm going to see how y'all are going to do with this. Psycho. There it goes. <laughs> I said one word. And it triggered something. It triggered a song. It triggered a song that many of us may have heard many times when we were young. If you were a certain age and a certain cultural background, you heard a song and, and it immediately came up. You know what it is. Y'all didn't know? Y'all don't know the song? Psycho, Alpha, Disco, Beta, Bio, Aqua, Dulu. It, no, it makes no sense, does it? It's a song called Aqua Boogie. Y'all don't know it. So some of y'all don't know because you didn't hear it. But those that heard it know it. And one particular person, as soon as I said psycho, he already had the whole thing played back. <laughs> a couple of people. Amen. What I'm telling you is this. Your mind has a capacity that you don't understand. And you can let your mind run you or you can run your mind. Prayer is your opportunity to bring your mind into subjection. Prayer is where we actually bring our mind into subjection and we tell our mind what God says. So that we can get that down in our heart so that becomes our operating process. So that when we get into trouble, God's word comes up and takes us on the dark road without knowing where we're going. 
Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, out of my heart, my mouth will speak. So I'm going to get what I want in my heart. Yes. You got to get in your heart what you want to come out when you get in trouble. Amen. Amen. Come on. The abundance of the heart is created from what is in the, uh, well, the, what comes out of our mouth is guarded by our, our, is our confession, and it comes out of our heart. The abundance of the heart is con- created from our regular meditation. Whatever you meditate on regularly is what actually starts determining what your confession is. Your meditation drives your confession. So whatever you meditate on is actually what it will eventually start coming out of you. Your meditation is based on either what is revealed to you by God or what you discover in a natural sense. So if you get God's revelation, you can get God's revelation and meditate on that. Go to uh, Colossians chapter. Uh, actually, we're just going to bring it up on the screen. Just write it. Colossians 3 and 2. Write it down. Colossians 3 and 2. This is what it says. It says, set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. In other words, you have a choice of how you're going to set your mind. Set your mind on things above and not on things in the earth. Prayer is where you set your mind. Prayer is your opportunity to set your mind in a certain place so that you can control how you think. Joshua 1 and 9. Write it down. We're just going to go there. Joshua 1 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate on it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way what? Prosperous, and you will what? You'll have good success. So your meditation and your confession, what do they do? They start to make a new way for you. But the new way means that you have to repent. So we're so used to hearing about repentance from sin, we forget about to repent means to have a change of mind or heart concerning something. And until you repent, you can't enter the kingdom, not because of your sin, but but you got to have your mind changed. You got to have a change of thought of how you think. You got to think different in order to inherit the kingdom. And when we get a different thought process, then we start to walk in a new way. Because when you meditate and the meditation gets in your heart and your heart starts to make you change, it causes a repentance on the inside of you. It changes who you are. And so now I'm convicted concerning something. And so now I have to change my meditation about everything having to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to obey your voice. Hallelujah. I'd rather obey than sacrifice to perfection. I started using the word, Lord, I thank you for making me just obey your voice. I obey your voice even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand it. Lord, I thank you for causing me just to obey what you say. Hallelujah. I thank you right now in this time of prayer. I'm listening to your voice. And whatever your voice speaks, I will do what your voice says and not what my arguments do. And then when the arguments come, I confidently, knowing what God's word says, can say, I cast down that imagination of perfection. I cast that thing down right now in the name of Jesus. Everything I do does not have to be perfect because what God does is perfect. So if I obey God, I will be perfect. Not what my mind says is perfect, but what God says is perfect. There are people we say are perfect and God's going to say, I don't receive them. 
when David was called to be king, the prophet came to his house and he told David's father, God said the next king is coming out of this house. So bring me all your sons. And so you know what his father did? His father went and got the good looking one. He got the warrior. He got, the, he got everybody except the one God wanted. Because human eyes judge perfection different than God does. So God doesn't need our human perfection. And so part of our hang-up as human beings, especially in the video age that we live in, is we've seen so many images that say they're perfect that we forget God is the one who shows us perfection. The reason why the world is full of people getting plastic surgery and changing everything and wearing all kinds of crazy stuff to change what they look like is because we're trying to chase the vision of perfection that we've been fed and not what God says perfection is. A woman's perfection is Proverbs 31. That's perfection. Not what they're selling. What God says is perfection. Amen? Amen. If you sit next to a woman and say, you, you, you're perfect. Turn to them again and say, I, I said you're perfect. Because you know what happened in their mind? You know what happened? You know what happened in their mind when you told them it was perfect? They fought against it. A bunch, of, a bunch of reasons why they're not perfect started popping up in their head. Am I ladies, am I telling the truth? See, I'm not just talking. I'm telling you the truth. There's a revelation concerning your confession that you have to have. You have to have a revelation that we have to take control of what comes out of your mouth. And where you take control out of what comes out of your mouth is through your prayer life controlling what goes into your heart. Putting the right things in your heart. Meditation on the word. Getting the word in your heart. The word says, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things passed away. Old things, gone. Everything old, gone. It's gone. All stuff's gone. Passed away. All things have become new. These things are of God. God, the holy creator that made everything perfect. The God that when I look at every sunset and say, wow, that's so beautiful. That's the God who shaped every lady in this room. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on your stuff. I'm sorry, let me back off. She, she, got, a, she got something coming, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> bring up the, we're going to bring up the cycle of spiritual growth real quick. We're going to close with this. Cycle of spiritual growth. This is in, in, in your new members package. You've got this information you already have. Listen, understand this. Knowledge is common information that's poured out. It's information that connects with your five senses. Your feeling, your smell, your taste, your touch, your hearing. Information connects with that. If something is logical in the natural realm, we accept it as fact. Or if someone who's perceived to be an expert tells us something, we receive it as fact. Because it's knowledge. 
That's how Adam and Eve got deceived. They were given knowledge from someone who claimed to be credible. And then if the credible source, if it made sense when they said it, they didn't put it to the ultimate test. They just said it makes sense to us. Let's do it. It had eternal ramifications. Revelation is information that gets a God magnifying glass on it. In other words, it's information that you stop seeing it through your lenses and God shows it to you through his lenses. And it becomes revelation. You go, whoa, I didn't see that before. Why? Because God showed you something. He revealed something to you. At the point of revelation is the human choice. See, outside of God, we make choice with information. But in Christ, we make decisions and choices on revelation. And when revelation comes, God shows us something. Where does revelation usually come from? When we're reading the Bible and something comes up. We're reading the Bible and all of a sudden we read something and it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And you sit there one day and you go, oh, I got the revelation. I've been fighting everything with carnal weapons. And I can't figure out why I'm not winning. I'm fighting everything with carnal weapons. I'm trying to make sense of everything and fighting it with my carnal weapons. But God said, the way you're going to fight this thing is not with those carnal weapons, but the weapons that I give you, which are mighty in me to pull down strongholds. That becomes a revelation. And when that revelation comes, now the choice is, will I apply that revelation or will I just know it? Will I just know it or will I apply it? And to apply it means that I start taking everything into my prayer life. I start taking big things. I take small things. I take them into my prayer life and I begin to lay them before God and I begin to talk to God about them. And then I be listen, listening to what God's saying back to me. And then when he says something, I just obey and move. I don't need perfect conditions. I don't need perfection. I just need to obey God. Amen? Amen. Let's close with this. Go back to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 10. We're going to look at verse 5. Your job, when God reveals something to you, is to cast down every imagination that fights against what God shows you. That's your job. That's called spiritual warfare. See, sometimes we've been taught spiritual warfare is fighting against the devil. And there's an element to that. But the biggest spiritual warfare in which you will not have to worry about how you fight the devil is to get your mind in subjection. It's because the enemy's, see, here's the thing. Enemy's not coming against you just to come against you. He's coming against you to put strongholds in your life. If there was a wild animal that showed up in the room, we can contain the animal 
by building something around it. And if we know what the animal's strengths are, then we can build something appropriate around it. So if you have a dog that can only jump five feet high, you build a six-foot fence. That does the job, amen? You put a tiger inside the same container that you put the dog in, and you find out the tiger can jump like 15 feet in the air. And this is useless. But what Satan does is he studies you. And he studies to see how high you can jump. And he studies to see what you do when you get under pressure. And then he builds appropriate strongholds around you to hold you in. So your job is to cast down the stronghold. In other words, he builds a stronghold, but God says, listen, I'm going to give you power to tear down what he builds. I'm going to give you a power to tear down whatever strongholds the enemy builds against you, but you're not going to do it with your hands. You're going to do it with spiritual weapons that I give you. What is it? The prayer. Your prayers are going to pull down the strongholds and cast down every imagination because whenever he, you pull down one, he's going to try to build another. But where does he build it? He builds it in your imagination. Listen, there are, more, there are more people incarcerated in their mind than there are people incarcerated in prisons. But you change it with your confession. Amen? Amen. I can't go no further with this. I got I to land this right here. All right. Tell your neighbor, I am not willing to remain inside strongholds the devil built for me. I am willing to use the weapons that God has given me to cast down the stronghold and to pull down imaginations and anything else that wants to exalt itself above my knowledge of God. Look at the passage one last time, and this is, this is where we're going to pray. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Your confessions and your prayers start to bring those thoughts that hold you down. It starts to bring them into captivity when they came to put you in captivity. Come on, come on, y'all. Something comes against you, you have the right to put it into captivity rather than you being the captor. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We got to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. We thank you that your word will take root in the hearts and minds of everyone here. I thank you for the confession coming out of every person here that our heart is guarded. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth is going to speak powerful things that bring the enemy into subjection to our lives. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus that your way is being made before us. And Lord, as your word becomes part of our prayer arsenal, we thank you that we are casting down imaginations. And Lord, new, fresh imaginations are coming to our mind. We thank you that you've given us answers and solutions supernaturally because of our confession 
and our thanksgiving and our adoration of who you are. And as we declare who you are and you show yourself strong in our behalf, we thank you that the blessing of the Lord is making us rich. Praise God and thanks for listening to today's message titled The Revelation of Confession from our new series titled 40 Days of Prayer. If you'd like to join us in prayer during these 40 days, we invite you to visit our website at alwc.us and you can click on Pray With Us on the link. There you'll find information about our 40 days of prayer, our prayer meditations, and other things that will help you in your prayer life during this time that we're praying. You can also find on our website information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.